0: Right, it's time for our classic recurring segment, Secure the Bag with Taylor Bagley. Just me and Taylor right now. We are not joined by Tyler Kern, but that's okay. We can provide you more than enough insights, breaking down whether or not someone in the business world is or is not securing that bag. Taylor Bagley, how are you doing
1: today? Hey, doing well and uh, glad that we were able to knock this uh, segment out today. This was uh, one that... Uh, popped up here actually last week and i was hoping to cover but i, I think it's still timely uh, coming out here today so for sure to talk about it yeah
0: well it's definitely one that's piquing my interest and something i was paying attention to so i'm interested in chatting with you about it let's go ahead and jump in we are securing the bag today on sony versus microsoft taylor take it away fill us in and then we'll chat
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, last week, and I I guess this might even be previous to that, uh, Sony revealed the first games coming to the PlayStation 5 console, um, as well as revealed the console designs to the public for the first time in their PlayStation Live event. Um, This was a first-time event that Sony has held, which is an entirely online and live-streamed product launch event. Um, So, this is similar to a, a concept like E3, and... Uh, really what this is enabling them to do is to kind of avoid some of the uh, pitfalls here of some of those major shows that uh, are obviously canceled here this year um, and still releasing uh, information I guess here on the market on a specific uh, product. So this puts them in a kind of a funny position uh, because Microsoft has also just previously uh, held an event of their own, kind of doing some of the similar uh, product launches. And when normally these two consoles would announce and release on the same day with different pricing, uh, they are now at a standoff here and kind of how they're going to roll out what those prices are going to be. Um, so to put this into further context. Uh, the. PlayStation console is set to release this holiday season and will be competing with Microsoft's Xbox uh, Series X series Which is really launching the first major console war since 2013 um, Hardware and specs aside, uh, the big story at play here is just how these two consoles have uh, been and are currently being marketed And just rolled out to the public here in general And like I said, this was coming off the heels of cancellations of events like E3 and PAX um, so, Within, uh, with that being said, both Microsoft and Sony now hold their own live stream events where they release new content and information uh, and game systems to the public, uh, which has created a much longer timeline uh, that these companies and developers can release information. And the PS5 stands uh, right now to kind of have a, uh, a little bit of a leg up here on Microsoft as they've been able to get a, a pretty good response here from the general public. Um, and so both microsoft and sony have now released their consoles but both of them are holding off on price right now which kind of leaves them in a bit of a cold war really which um, i think is a, a really interesting spot to see two big giant tech companies in um and now that we've got kind of the whole context of of what these two companies are looking at uh daniel tell me what you think right now about having Basically, the equivalent of an iPhone and an Android uh, launch happening, um, but both companies holding off on price, waiting to undercut one another. <laughs> um, is is this something that you know we're, we're gonna hopefully? you know, not see as much of the future or we're going to see even more of this now because, uh, you know, like the nature of those events are, the timelines can now extend far beyond, you know, what a specific launch date releases. So So, you know, tell me what your thoughts are here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see that kind of holding off on price, um, it, mostly because it, it seems like a pretty integral way to... Let consumers know whether or not they're going to want to lock it in. But to some degree, I think the core constituency of Xbox or PlayStation fans is going to lock it in regardless of price. Uh, You know, unless it was something outrageous like $5,000 or something. But, I mean, in the typical. Uh, price range of a console? What I mean, that might be max like eight hundred bucks. Would you say is is that typically around? That, that would be high. Yeah, yeah that,
1: PlayStation kind of I think released one at six hundred. That was right. was a little unheard of a few years ago. Yeah. Right. So even if
0: I like even if I saw it peak out at eight hundred, I could still even see that being something that most hardcore gamers would lock in. Now I I think what is still up in the air is whether or not they're really trying to market these to a wider audience and if that is the case you can't realistically expect um consumers of all socioeconomic backgrounds to lock in a gaming console at 800 bucks or something i'm not saying it's going to be that high but if they are really playing this undercut long game it seems like they know that dynamic is important Mm-hmm. that they need to have a console that is mass marketable and is not just aimed at the core audience. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that they see this as such a a crucial piece of competition and that they're willing to uh, basically build the hype around it, regardless of price. I, I think it's strategic because what they could do here is build hype, not show the price, get people locked in on the content, have people f- uh, you know, basically, foaming at the mouth for the next Spider-Man game and the next Ratchet & Clank game and all that good stuff, and then drop the price, and whether or not it's super high or super low, people might already have decided, Ah, oh, well, damn, I won all these games anyways, so I'm just going to go ahead and lock it in, regardless yeah. of price. And then for anyone that was on the fence, that undercutting, whoever basically goes first, then gets undercut, and it's, it's a strategic game here that I could see backfiring if the initial uh, price revealer aims a little too low, because mm-hmm. then the other console system doesn't really have to go that low. You'd, like, they don't have to go lower, they could match the price, or maybe even go a little more expensive if, like... Let's say they go really cheap, 300 or something for a console, which I, I don't think they're going to go that inexpensive, but let's say they do. Okay, well, then now the other company uh, is not really going to have to undercut that even more because 300 for a console is already relatively accessible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting strategy. I mean, I I, I guess I don't really know how it's going to play out. I, I don't have a lot of insights, but I think the strategy itself has some
1: potential consequences, good and bad. Yeah, and some of the things to consider uh, really with these consoles specifically is, um, and I, I don't think that this is actually uh, common knowledge, but most of the companies who make a, uh, a, a console like this, and really in our case, there's only two major players in this game, um, actually create these consoles at a loss. Um, and I don't know exactly what that margin is, but you know, it might be something along the lines of they can actually create it for you know, two to $300 and they sell it. Um, or I'm sorry, rather they'll create it for three to four hundred dollars and sell it for two to three hundred dollars. Um, they actually do take you know quite a bit of a loss on the hardware specific stuff itself, but they make up that money by having um, developers and. Uh, games exclusive content that you know is directed towards their systems that then you know, you know kind of recuperate some of that um, so that's an interesting thing to consider and then two um, you know we're obviously in a uh, pretty volatile consumer market right now people aren't spending a lot of money on things that they don't necessarily need however they probably might invest in something that is oriented towards home entertainment you know if we continue to uh, kind of go down this this path of um, Uh, you know, quarantines and shelter in place and things of that nature. So there's definitely some consideration they want to have. Obviously, they can't have this go too high. And in fact, if you get above the current price range, you start to go into that PC range of of places uh, or of prices rather, where, you know, for, for really, you know, like you were saying, an $800 price tag, you know, could get you a, um, you know, a good start into a PC or uh, a gaming PC itself. So. You know, there's a lot of factors there to consider. I do think it's really interesting that since we've seen the landscape of these events and how products get launched change, we're seeing the dynamics between these companies change and the, dynamic, the dynamics between them and their consumers change. Uh, so somebody like myself who, you know, follows these, uh, you know, big announcements year after year and granted, you know, consoles only happen roughly every seven years, um, you know, this is an, a, a common occurrence, but if this is any indication of what we can see in the future, I think it's gonna be um, very, very interesting. So uh, in a roundabout way, this was really about Sony. Um, I think Sony came out and had a very successful event got a lot of people talking um, has the market really shook up because we were really going to uh, expect to see a price here that was then going to set the Xbox price and and now we we're in this state of limbo so I think that they have really kicked off a big question about how we're going to uh, approach some of these things in the future and um, you know with that being said you know they've they've definitely got uh, the PlayStation name in almost every mouth in gaming right now so for that I'm going to say Sony uh, congratulations on securing the bag.
0: Wow. Bag secured, Sony. Good work. And, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to say that uh, with that market share and with that legacy of quality uh, through their systems, I think they are set up to win here. But like you said, they do have the most to lose. So if Xbox Next Console uh, undercuts substantially, has at least equal hardware, and comes out with some uh, incredible uh, exclusives, there could be a real incentive to go Xbox over PlayStation. Now, I'm not sure if this is continuing into the future. Uh, It's something that I read up on a while ago. I don't know if it's still happening, but I did read somewhere that there was potentially going to be um, cross-platform online, Mm -hmm. So, being mm-hmm. able to play, like, let's say Call of Duty on Xbox mm-hmm. with your friend playing Call of Duty on PlayStation. Do you have any mm-hmm. idea if that is still in the works?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's actually a really great consideration because while many people uh, are, when we're going into this next generation of hardware, we want to think about uh, gaming as hardware agnostic. You know, it would be so nice to just think, like, hey, I play this game, not, oh, I play this game on whatever system, which you know, then fragments the entirety of you know the gaming community itself. Um, so cross-play is definitely a big thing. Um, and to, to really touch on what you were saying a moment ago, the, the race has never been closer in terms of specifically the Sony PlayStation um, discussion. And I do think that that cross-play feature is gonna be a huge indicator of what, um, or which console is going to be able to, to come out on top here, and specifically because Microsoft has um, invested a lot of time and, and, and actually a lot of their focus in creating cross-platform experiences in games, where Sony has been very, very hesitant on that um, and, you know, f- really just kind of non-cooperative, so to speak. You know, there's there's been a couple of instances where, you know, they've talked about having cross-play and then have pulled out. Um, and then there are a handful of, of, of uh, console uh, cross-play things that we might see here in the future. So yes, I, I do think that at some point they, they will have to go ahead and give into that specifically because, uh, you know, Microsoft is doing so much with that already, b- being able to cross-play with a lot of PC players. Um, Granted, you know, there's a different discussion about how that uh, translates to the game itself and kind of gives advantages to some players over others. But regardless, I I do think that's going to be coming up down the road. Uh, Sony has been very hesitant to push anything in the direction of cross-platform play. Uh, Microsoft's been very adamant about it. And I do think that that decision and what those capabilities look like are really going to be deciding factors on who comes out on this uh, so console war, so to speak, uh, although I do hate that. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, that kind of platform agnosticity even mm-hmm. happens, because, I mean, naturally, the whole point of there being multiple consoles is uh, some semblance of competition, and, well, mm-hmm. I want to make sure consumers get my console and not yours, mm-hmm. and that's assuming that if they price it right, then the consumer is only going to have enough money to make a decision on one, and they're going to have to pick the one with the best perks. Mm -hmm. So if there is agnosticity, I think it's going to have to be... It's going to have to be something that benefits everyone. uh, And by everyone, I mean benefits all the main companies. So your your Nintendos, your Sonys, um, and your Microsofts. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't level the playing field so much that they would feel like it actually hurts them, right? Because to some degree, Mm -hmm. that agnosticity is going to help one uh, one company more than the other, depending on market share. So, yeah, I could see it happening for certain games. I could see it happening for, um, uh, yeah, like, potentially some, like, package deal where you buy a certain kind of online where you can then play with people Mm cross-platform, but... I don't see there being agnosticity long-term until we see basically mass consolidation between the gaming companies into like basically one giant gaming company, which I don't think anyone wants. So at, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I I think Sony trying to secure its own bag is uh-huh. going to mean not leaning into how best can we come uh, become compatible with Microsoft's Xbox, which sucks for the consumer, but I think makes sense for the capitalist, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But to to you know, kind of expand on that just a little bit, um, at the risk of digression here. Um, yeah, sure. I, I think as we do see some of the communication uh, and specifically cloud computing technologies emerge um, there will be there won't be room for hardware, so to speak so um, I know that we actually covered um, i think on a business casual segment uh, uh, earlier this year the launch of Google stadia, which uh, uh, happened right towards the end of last year and, and early I think in January of this year and that was essentially a digital gaming platform. So this was Google's gaming platform that was accessible through any web browser. You just needed to have Chrome open and they send, you essentially buy a controller that can connect to whatever device you're on and you can operate any game that they have in their library just through an open Chrome browser over the internet. Um, it was great in theory, didn't translate super well into practice. So. I, I try to find that episode if you guys can. I don't want to go into the specifics on that. Um, but I do think that at some point when we see better connectivity, things like 5G, uh, we see better cloud computing um, capabilities, the need to have a piece of hardware in the home of every single person will be much less... Um, Stringent than the need for just a good internet connection, and and you know the the only interface you essentially need is whatever controller you're using. Uh, so at that point, there will be really no, um, you know, no need to necessarily split up those uh, those. Uh, uh, console providers, you know, there might be uh, service providers, or, you know, you might just get your gaming through AT&T or whoever your internet is, and the developers will now hold all the power, Um, the people who are making the games, the artists, the, the.
0: Oh, hello? I lost you, Taylor.
1: Hey, lost you. Hey, God, right at the end. All right, I think I can, I think I can pick right back up where I was at. Cool. Okay. Um, oh gosh, okay. So with that being said, there will be much less of an... Or, that being said, there won't be a need to have two companies that, that own all of the hardware. It's going to put all of the uh, power back in the hands of the developers, the creators, the artists, the people who own and love these games are now going to be able to control the distribution, the, the creation of them, and, and ultimately that, that profit or capitalist idea. So um, I, I think ideally, if we go that direction, um, we're, we'll have at least a little bit of a happier ending than just creating two more tech giants.
0: And in that kind of scenario, securing the bag is going to look a lot different. So (laughs) let's keep our ear to the ground, and if that reality ever manifests itself more concretely, you know we're going to be breaking it down on STB with Taylor Bagley.
1: Yes. Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) All right. Taylor Bagley, thank you so much for securing the bag with us today on Business Casual. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.